Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm so glad you joined us. My name is Vic Vershero, and one of the best parts of my job is I get to meet all kinds of people from around the country and around, in particular, Michigan. And we're talking to somebody from University of Michigan right now. He's the senior tight end for that great football program, and his name is Joel Honingford. So, Joel, welcome to our show. I appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, I'm glad you could join us. And you know, we have a mutual friend that kind of got us connected. I happen to know a gentleman by the name of Scott Walter, his beautiful wife, Cindy, down in a town called Sugar Creek, Ohio, a place that is pretty darn special. And that's where you were born and raised. Is that right? Absolutely. Just a little small town, Ohio. Yeah. And it's a beautiful Amish country and wonderful people down there and just a great place in Ohio. And of course, tell me if you would, that's where you grew up. So tell me about your family a little bit. What goes on down in Sugar Creek, Ohio? Yeah. So my dad graduated from Ohio State. He's a veterinarian in Sugar Creek at the Sugar Creek Veterinary Clinic, as is my oldest brother, Paul. And then my mom went to Ohio State, graduated from Xavier, was a teacher for a handful of years until, you know, she got into the business of being a mom. So (laughs) she had my oldest sister, Lauren, and then my older brother, Paul, my older brother, Clay, and then me. So uh, So you're the baby of the family, huh? I am the baby, yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I get a sense that you're not a little bitty guy, so you probably don't have to take second seat to anybody. Not for a while I did, I will say that, but (laughs) I knew my time would come, and it certainly has, and it's here to stay, so it's a good feeling. I love it. I just love it. Well, and your dad was a veterinarian from Ohio, graduating from Ohio State. Tell me, was there some adversity between you and him when it became known you were headed for Wolverine Country out of a Buckeye home? It's actually kind of a funny story. So, for those who don't know, my dad actually played basketball at Ohio State before getting into the vet school there. But so I had taken a visit out to Oregon and, you know, I visited the school there to see if I wanted to go there. And we had stopped at the subway at a gas station and, you know, we're just sitting there and it kind of just hit me. I was like, yeah, I want to go to Michigan. So I said, I was like, I want to go to Michigan. (laughs) And, you know, my mom, you know, being mom was like, oh, like, I'm so happy for you. Like, that's where you want to go. And my dad, you know, he kind of looked at me and he was like, well, you know, why don't we weigh out some other options here? You know, we got some other schools. And I was like, no, no, I want to go to Michigan. So I think it was a little tough for him at first, you know, his alma mater being Ohio State. Sure. But me being his son, he knew he had to flip the switch, and he did. And now I can say he's a Michigan fan, and he fully supports me and the uh, university. Well, that's what dads should do, you know, and get out of their son and daughter's ways and let them be all they can be. And so it's really exciting that for us in Michigan to have you come up from a Sugar Creek, Ohio, to be up here playing with us and being a part of that story. So you're a senior tight end for the team. And so tell me, when you were in high school, is that kind of when you begin to feel like maybe I can play in a big time program? Yeah. So it's always something I wanted to do. And then moving into high school, you know, I had the physical attributes, you know, just being as tall as I am, being 6'6". And, you know, I was able, you know, to be blessed with some great abilities to play sports. And, uh, you know, I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. And I got some looks early at colleges. And that's just kind of where I headed, you know, I never looked back. And then I ended up here at Michigan, which has been the best choice I've made. Well, when you think about coming from a family where your dad was an athlete and a bona fide one at that, did you ever feel any pressure that I need to follow in somebody's footsteps in terms of being an athlete? Or was there lots of room in your family to become and do what you wanted to do? No, it was all about just doing what you wanted to do. Cool. I mean, 
My oldest brother played sports. He played uh, basketball at Ashland University. My other brother, Clay, played football at Mount Union. But it's funny because my sister, the oldest of all of us, you know, they kind of like try to get her involved in sports, but yeah. uh, it absolutely was not her thing. She was big <laughs> into writing and reading, and uh, they figured that out pretty fast. And uh, they always just encourage us to do you know, what we wanted. And that was something that I wanted to do. And I pursued it. And, you know, they supported me the whole way. Well, without you naming anybody else around you, I got to believe you've witnessed families that have different interactions than that. You've been blessed, obviously, with some pretty important parents in your life that allowed you to kind of go in the direction you want to go. Sometimes what I see, you know, in my limited experience is that sometimes these parents try to relive their entire childhood by making their child into what they always wanted to be. And those feel like tragedies to me. Have you seen any of those, without naming names, examples of that along your way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you see parents trying to live vicariously through their child and trying to, you know, live out what was their dream at one point in time, you know, through their child and pushing them. And oftentimes it really turns into that kid not really enjoying it, how it really should be enjoyed. And, you know, if that's not their passion, then, you know, let them find their passion. And, you know, you definitely see that. Even at the college level, sometimes you see things get a little too hands-on and, you know, kids just can't, you know, just live their life and play the game they love. And then, you know, eventually if that's not something they want to do for a living, then, you know, pursue something else. But you definitely see that even at this level. But I was very blessed to have parents that, you know, were going to support me in anything that I wanted to do. And I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, that's really cool, Joel. And look at the dividend it pays now that you're with a major program and you're living a very happy, well-adjusted life after having so many great things that happened to you along the way. You know, this is the Michigan Business Network, and we're here to hear about all kinds of leadership stories. Although we don't do sports, we're going to talk about some of the opportunities that have happened along the way, ups and downs of uh, somebody living in a big program in a big way. And Joel, we're so grateful you're here. We're so grateful you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. You found the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. We found Joel Huntingford, who is a senior tight end for the University of Michigan and an outstanding football player from Sugar Creek, Ohio. Dad was a Buckeye, and he's here in Wolverine country. And so we're just grateful for the time that he's given us today to hear a little bit about his amazing story. And one of the things, Joel, I can't even begin to fathom is the whole balance of trying to keep your life in order, whether it's in high school, trying to keep the grades up so that a major program would be interested in you, 
but also then you've got the challenges of being a teenager and wanting to have some kind of a social life. You've got the weight restrictions of trying to build a physique that's going to hold up for what's ahead of you. And then you've got to learn programs, whether it's high school or football programs. How on earth do you keep that balanced? Yeah, you know, I kind of think about, you know, so I had to come up in June right after I graduated high school. You know, I report up here in June and I take some summer classes, you know, I'm working out a little bit here before everything really starts. And, you know, it's not too bad. I'm like, okay. But, you know, people along the way always told me like, you know, when you get there, it's going to be hard. You know, it's going to be an adjustment. And I could tell myself that as much as I wanted to. But the reality of it is that it was... <laughs> A lot different than telling yourself that. You know, you really have to experience it to go through it. And I remember sitting in my academic counselor's office and I was creating my schedule for my first fall here. And I was like, you know, I got class from eight to one every day. And then I go to football from one to six. Like, is this right? Like, is this how this is supposed to look? <laughs> right. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, no, that's how it'll be every semester. And so oh. that kind of like shook me to my core because I was like, all right, well. I know after I'm done with football, I'm going to have to do study halls and tutoring and stuff like that. So, like, where's this free time? You know, where's this, like, great college life we're talking about? <laughs> what I signed up for, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, it took me a little bit to figure out, you know, that routine and really how to structure Because, you know, at night you are going to have to choose, well, well, do I want to, you know, spend time with my friends and just relax and hang out? Or, you know, do I want to get my schoolwork done, get ahead on my schoolwork and stuff like that? So it was definitely a big adjustment period for me and, you know, especially headed into mechanical engineering, which is what I graduated in. And I really had to get that understanding fast or else I wasn't going to be able to keep doing that. So that definitely, you know, really got to me fast because I was like, yeah, I know it's going to be hard, but it ended up being a lot more than what I thought. But luckily, you know, I had great people along the way to help me out. So that's like really what I think about because everybody says it's going to be hard, right? It's yeah. easy to tell somebody it's going to be hard, but you really have to experience that to know what it's like. Let me play here just for a second because I think some of the challenges that I run into in hiring, sometimes, Joel, I look to hire people and I want to know what kind of adversity they've overcome. When they tell me about you know the things that have happened along the way and what are some of those milestones, when they start explaining to me things that is gut-wrenching to me or I go, wow, that's something, then I think I know that they run pretty deep. But at this point in time, you know, forgive me, but I look at life in Sugar Creek, Ohio with a successful mom and dad and your successful football career looks pretty good from the outside. So were there some moments that you could draw back on and say, you know what, been here before, I've had hard that's happened to me, I know what this is all about, or was this like the hardest thing ever? I would say the hardest thing that I had to adapt to was just football itself. So for those who don't know, in August, it's fall camp, and it is football from 7 a.m., to 10 p.m. every single day and you get four days off in August that's all you do <laughs> and I did not know what to expect wow. I went in and it hit me like a freight train it really did and I will say that was one of the first times I was really you know tested not only as a football player but as a person and then also in my faith and you know, I leaned real big on my faith and you know I was calling my mom every night and talking to her and, you know, without my faith, I don't think I'm getting through that how I did. But it really was a huge challenge. And, you know, someone else I have to thank for that is my brother. 
So we used to clean the floors of my dad's veterinary clinic together. And I'll be honest, in high school, I like wasn't a super hard worker. I didn't have to be, you know, I had the physical attributes and I was in a good spot. So I didn't really have to be a super hard worker. And that frustrated him because he was a very hard worker. (laughs) And so I remember one specific night we're down cleaning a clinic and we just get into a screaming match. I mean, we start going at each other. And from that day forth, it changed who I was and how, you know, I looked at hard work and really, you know, I kind of followed his way because, I mean, he works as hard as any of them. And, Uh, you know, he really set the standard for me and helped me out along the way as well. So this is Paul, right? This is Clay. Clay. Okay. Got it. And so Clay at that point in time kind of gave you a tug and said, hey, you got to figure this out. If you boiled the screaming match down, is that kind of what you heard? Oh, yeah. He pretty much told me like, listen, you've got it made right now. You need to understand that this is not how it's always going to be. And, you know, he really did whip me into shape. And I'll be honest, I needed it. Yeah, yeah I definitely did. If you're being um, fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm just loving this story. Joel, I'm so grateful that you took time out from a really crazy busy schedule to be with us here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. DBIS.com. Click and order your office supplies online today. Delivered free tomorrow. DBI offers a complete selection of office products, break room, janitorial supplies, and greener products with convenient 24-7 online ordering. Save time and money by ordering online. Visit DBIS.com to set up your account today. DBI does all things office, office supplies, furniture, and environments. DBIS.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. I have peeled away from a very busy schedule, Joel Honingford, who is the University of Michigan senior tight end, and he was just sharing a story with us in the last segment about his brother Clay. And I just love how, you know, we were talking that you mentioned off air that we were not into physical violence with each other. We were taught that right from the beginning, but it came pretty close that night, apparently, right? Yeah, I mean, it was just me and him down there. It's probably 9 o'clock at night, you know. I mean, that clinic's probably like a five-minute walk from our house. So it was just us two. There was no one else there. And luckily, it didn't get out of hand. Because no one was going to stop it, right? Yeah, no one was going to stop it. It was just us two. It could have went to the end. (laughs) Yeah, thankfully it did not. Mm -hmm. Well, and so sometimes, you know, this is a classic example, Joel, of, you know, you said in the last segment, if I was being honest, I needed it. 
And I think sometimes these are the hard lessons that we learn along the way is that sometimes the most painful ones and the ones we're not really sounding like we're listening at all are ones we needed the most. And in this scenario, you've got to have these moments along the way in a really tough world of a scholastic, a tough physical world, and a tough world of competition to be have somebody come up to you every once in a while and knock you in the head, metaphorically, and say, dude, you're missing the game. And so no matter what that game is, tell me, beyond Clay, have there been other quintessential moments where somebody kind of picked you up out of the fire? I know that you mentioned your faith. I love that because that can oftentimes help us through the fire. But sometimes it's those people that come and go in our lives that make the most out of it. Any of those people that you can think of that made a difference? To be honest with you, I'd say there's a lot of people who made a difference in my life. And when I came to Michigan, I made a priority to listen more Then I spoke. You know, I didn't have the knowledge that these guys who were here for four or five years did. So, you know, why do I need to talk when they have this knowledge that they can share with me? And I was perfectly okay with that. I knew that's where I needed to be. So that's what I did. I just listened. I sat there for, you know, two and a half, three years just listening to the guys ahead of me. And now it puts me in a spot now where I can do that for others. And leadership to me is not something that you can force. It's something that happens naturally. And, you know, I think that's kind of what happened with me. You know, I go through three years as an offensive lineman at Michigan. And, you know, after COVID hit and I got a lot of my mom's cooking, I finally hit 300 pounds. (laughs) And then I get told, you know, you got to switch to tight end. So, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I just got to 300 pounds. Now I need to drop 50, 60 pounds to get down. And, uh, you know, I did. And it put me in a spot where now, you know, I've seen some success on the field as a tight end. And I have this knowledge now. I've been through different adversities to be able to share with the younger guys and bring them along, which is, you know, really important for me because I had those role models when I was young and now I have the opportunity to be one for them. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. As you were talking, I was kind of laughing to myself thinking about, you know, you might be too young for this, but the old movie of Back to the Future. Do you happen to see that movie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure. And so one of the sequels is all about Biff trying to listen to older Biff come back and tell him stories and listen to me. And the young man wasn't too interested in listening to what the old man had to say. But, you know, when you become a senior in a program like the one you're in, you've paid your dues in some pretty extensive ways, everything from that August that I think us mere mortals would not want to be a part of all the way to the time in the weight room, the time studying, all those things are just pretty incredible. And so it is interesting, again, without naming names, every once in a while, you probably see people that don't come in with the same attitude. I'm going to listen first before I speak. And so have you ever had a chance to pull those people aside and share your experience with them? Yeah, I have actually before. You know, one instance I think of is in the weight room, you know, it's all about attention to detail. And so our strength coach comes up to me and goes, hey, I want you to watch this kid and I want you to count his reps. And if he doesn't hit the exact number of reps he's supposed to get, you need to go talk to him. (laughs) And, you know, I sat there and I watched him. And, you know, I think he was supposed to do maybe 15 reps and he hit 12. And so I go up to him and I'm like, hey, I was like, you didn't hit your reps. And he was like, yeah, I did. And I was like, listen, I just sat back there and I counted and you did not hit your reps. I was like, you need to go back and do it again. And, you know, he pushed back on me because, you know, I think it was a little embarrassment for him and some uncomfortability. But 
you know, after the lift goes over, I pull him aside after, and you know, I start talking to him, like, hey, listen, like, we really got to get this in order. This can't keep happening because if this is the way things are going to go, then you're not going to see the success that you want. And that was big for him, but it was also big for me, too, just to be able to, you know, be a part of that moment and, you know, kind of change the way he thought. And so, you know, it's moments like that through my whole career that have kind of shaped me to be who I am now. Well, man, what you just shared is a really powerful example for all of us in business to pull away from this. So, Joel, I think I want to come back to that in our next segment. we got to go pay some bills real quick right here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. What do so many successful businesses have in common? Proactive legal strategy. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer both business and personal legal counsel. For client convenience, they have offices throughout Michigan. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I am so excited to have with us Joel Honningford, who is the senior tight end for the University of Michigan, and he's a Wolverine all the way up from Buckeye country in Sugar Creek, Ohio, and we're proud to have him here and grateful to have him here and, frankly, grateful to talk leadership with him. And, Joel, in our last segment, you said something that got me really excited about leadership, and part of what I believe in is that some of the best leadership doesn't always come from the head coach or the coaches. It needs to come from within and what I call leading from the middle. Somebody else had that phrase. It wasn't me, but I get the whole notion. When you pull aside somebody and you call them out, it's embarrassing for them, but there's also probably a deep, good relationship you probably have with that fella that you just mentioned. So that happened. And then also the fact that it doesn't always come from the top. There's an internal accountability that team members, left or right, can do along the way. Give me your thoughts on that. I want to spend some time there. Yeah. So when you think about it, you know, you look at our head coach, Coach Harbaugh, you know, if he's yelling at me to do this and that, like, yeah, I'm going to listen. But at some point in time, it's like, okay, well, you know, you're not doing what I'm doing. Like, I'm the one doing this. And, you know, it seems easy to just yell at me while you sit there. Mm. And, you know, the same way in kind of the business world, you know, you look at a boss and you're like, well, you know, I'm the one doing the work. You're not doing this work. I'm the one doing it. And you're yelling at me. But when it comes from somebody else who is doing the same thing as you or has done the same thing as you, it means more, you know, it's more relatable. You're like, Oh, okay. So for example, that kid that I had to talk to, you know, he could look at me and be like, Oh, all right, well, you know, he's doing the workout with me. So he goes through everything that I go through. So, you know, there's less excuse for him and there's more of an ability for him to relate to me 
and understand where I'm coming from and that I'm not just somebody sitting there watching and just yelling from my yeah. throne, you know. In the same way in the business world, it's all about accountability, you know, across the board. It can't just be from up top because, you know, if you're not bringing that across the board, then you're going to have chips fall and uh, not be able to bring everybody along. So a couple things happen here. I want to make sure because those of us that have been in what I consider coaching roles, which is any type of supervisory relationship, I view it as coaching. And when I think about you were in the weight room doing your thing, working hard, doing and being accountable for what you were supposed to do. But then what happened? It seems like somebody came up and tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, I need you to look at this guy. Go help him lead, not lift, but lead him uh, through this. So that was a powerful coach that did a great thing by helping you understand that there's a greater role rather than just yourself. We're part of a bigger team and everybody doing their part, right? So that was pretty powerful that he tapped you on the shoulder like that. Yeah, and I think, you know, the reason he did that and he chose me is because, not to get a large head or brag about myself, but I have been a great follower. And, you know, in order to be a great leader, you have to be a great follower. And, uh, you know, I think he saw that in me. And wanted to give me the opportunity, you know, see how I was going to respond to that kid and, you know, see how I was going to take it and handle it. And uh, one of the most important things across the board, I guess, is that, you know, different people need to be led in different ways. Mm. So you can't always just get up in somebody's face and scream at them and expect results. You know, some people just need to be talked to. Some people need an example. You know, it's different across the board. And, you know, that's something that I've learned because for me personally, it's changed, you know, used to not be able to yell at it all I would shut down immediately to now you know my skin's a little thicker than it used to be and <laughs> I can take coaching in a lot of different ways yeah might be the hardball factor maybe <laughs> yeah. but you know and no disrespect man I'm just that guy is intense and being around somebody that's intense you know they oftentimes don't have the acceptance of uh, anything less than perfection but you know you said something there that I think is really awfully powerful when we talk about how different people respond to different kind of coaching styles and leadership styles. And again, it factors in a lot of different ways. It might be that doesn't have the rapport or relationship, but you might have the relationship with a fellow teammate where you could maybe make some difference. And in a much smaller way, I think about my wife can tell me something and I'll never forget, I won't go into the details of what it was, but she had a friend that basically told me the exact same thing that she said. And I brought it home to my wife and I shared it with her and she says, and you don't remember me telling you that? <laughs> and I think the point is, is that so many times it's the message, it's the messenger, and it's the way that we do things. So I just love what you've shared here. And I think it creates a lot of different opportunities for us. And so, Joel, you're with us today. I'm so grateful for it. I know you got a lot of things going on in your world, but thanks for being a part of the Leadership Lowdown. And thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Versero. We'll be right back. Something to grow. 
takes time. Like the equity in your home. That's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit. Because frequent watering of your houseplants may be recommended. Now can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Thanks for tuning in to the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. We've got Joel Huntingford, who's with us from the University of Michigan. He's a senior tight end, doing great things down there in that program. Who knows what this year is going to look like for him. But right now, we're talking leadership, and we're talking about things that matter. And overall, one of the things that matter a lot to Joel is that not only does he have all this time to study, all this time to uh, play football for an intense program, all the time in the weight room, and then every once in a while, he might even have a chance to uh, have a Diet Coke with somebody. When it's all said and done, he also has some other things that are important to him. Joel, you mentioned some work that you're doing in a nonprofit. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, my teammates and I started a nonprofit called the Uniform Funding Foundation, or, you know, we go by Tough, and started this in 2018 because, you know, it's hard to, you know, give back with, like, the scheduling that other people have and, you know, our schedule on top of that, it's hard to find time. So my teammates and I decided, you know, why don't we take this in our own hands? And one of my buddies, Adam Shibley, I used to play at Michigan, grad transfer to Notre Dame, and now he's done real big into designing uniforms when mm. he was growing up. I was too. And uh, he was like, you know what, why don't we create an organization that, you know, gives uniforms, equipment, and mentorship on top of that to underserved youth athletes. And so that's exactly what we've done. And, uh, you know, we've grown over these past handful of years, and to now we've donated to over 4,100 athletes. We've been to Hawaii, Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, uh, most recently in Tampa, Florida. But we've been all over, and we've been able to make a pretty solid impact and give back to the community. Tell me what you found in those entities that you've been able to help. Was it tattered uniforms with that kind of gave them no hope? Or tell me what inspired the foundation to become involved with a group. So we have a couple of different ways of doing it. On our website, gettough.org, we actually have an application process for teams to apply to. And so we go through that and we look, and it's need-based, obviously. And then also on top of that, we'll have, you know, certain people who want to, you know, in certain teams and donate to certain teams. So we'll do that for them. And then we're also always looking on our own as well at different teams. And, wow. you know, we're just looking for communities that are very inspirational and determined as well as, you know, they need new uniforms. And we found a good amount of those and have been able to, you know, go in and give them jerseys, pants, mouthpieces, socks, even, you know, scoreboards and uh, pads and things like that. And we've gone into different sports. You know, we started in football because that's what we relate most to. We started in football. We've done girls basketball, boys basketball. We did yeah. a soccer team in Liberia, Africa, actually, as well. So we've kind of been all over and we're continuing <laughs> to grow. Well, it's incredible that somebody that is uh, so busy doing so much comes up with this uh, scenario to give back like this. I'm just so impressed with that, Joel. And tell me, what was the inspiration for that? Is that something mom and dad always uh, pounded into you that, look, as you walk through life, you better be giving it back along the way? Or uh, were there other things that were inspirational to you? Yeah, I mean, obviously growing up, mom and dad, you know, tied into the church and giving back to other organizations. You know, I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be someone who gave back. And then also you look at 
you know, the level I've gotten to with football. And I mean, I look at myself, you know, third and fourth grade to have, you know, a college football player come in and give us uniforms. I mean, I'd have been talking about it for years and it would have been an impact on me for the rest of my life. And so to have this platform that we do, I mean, we play games on Saturdays for people to watch, but what are we doing, you know? And that's where, you know, we dive into this foundation and uh, we get our work there. Well, what I really love about this, you know, right here in Lansing, we're building a miniature stadium called Strikeout Baseball, and we're doing it with John Smoltz, who's a Hall of Fame pitcher right here from Lansing. And part of what I always talk about is we could put this thing anywhere, but instead we're putting it inside the neighborhoods where kids that almost always are too often forgotten or walk past, we're bringing to them a beautiful new dynamic stadium that helps bring them hope. And when I think about what you're doing there with all of these different entities, you know, a young person having a chance to dream just a little bit is a pretty big thing in terms of bringing hope and helping them understand what the world could look like. I just commend you on that. You must have found that along the way in all of you've done. Yeah, I mean, it's been super inspirational. It's had a big impact on the kids we donated to, but I'd say even a bigger impact on us, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> I come from Sugar Creek, Ohio, right? There's not much that goes wrong in Sugar Creek, Ohio, but right. I take a trip to Flint, Michigan this year, and I'm doing an interview with the TV network about our foundation, and, you know, there's gunshots going off in the background. It's like, oh my word. this is a lot different than, you know, where I'm from. So to be able to go in there, and, you know, these kids are using sports to take them away from, you know, gang violence, street violence, stuff like that. And so if we can do anything at all to come in and encourage that even more, you know, even if it's a handful of kids that, you know, wouldn't have done so before, but they see, you know, J.J. McCarthy comes to Chicago and he talks to the kids about, you know, football and growing up and how to make it to the next level. And they get inspired by that, like, that's what it's all about is getting them out of those environments and really allowing their dreams to come true like ours did. Well, and Joel, I'm almost out of time on this segment, but I just have to say in raising money and doing these kind of things, a lot of people will dismiss sports because, oh no, our foundation only gives towards educational causes. Oh, for crying out loud, if a young person has an opportunity to have a dream and a vision of what they want to do, maybe to go in Joel's footsteps and footprints, all of a sudden he's got to get the grades or she's got to get the grades and she's got to put her mind to it and have a chance to dream and has to really get into education in order to make it all work. So that sometimes these things go hand in hand and what a difference it makes. Joel, I just commend you for the work you and the foundation are doing and so grateful you're joining us today here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. Michigan, Michigan. 
This is the Michigan Business Network and the Leadership Lowdown all in one right here with Vic Versero, your host with Joel Huntingford, who is from the University of Michigan, senior tight end. And of course, it's really exciting for me to talk to him. Sure, I'm excited to talk to a major football player like Joel, but I'm really excited to meet a young person that's so dynamically well-grounded and connected to a great cause. You know, the foundation that you mentioned, tell us, how are you spelling tough? It's T-U-F-F. T-U-F-F. And it's the Tough Foundation. If we were to Google that, would we find it? Yep. So our website is uh, www.gettough.org. Mm. And then we're also on Instagram and Twitter. The handle for those is official tough underscore for both. Great. You know, Joel, in what you're doing, probably one of the things that surprised you the most is trying to go out and raise funds. Has that been a big challenge for you to try to get the funds to do what you want to do? It has been, but as we continue to develop our network, you know, we've been able to reach out to other people and hold fundraising events. And, you know, we're really starting to get into more fundraising events. And, you know, as we go from place to place, we make these connections and that has proven to really help us. Yeah. And of course, when you think about it, the connections really makes a lot of difference because there are organizations and people that have resources that are willing to make some help and make a difference. But, you know, sometimes it's all about being asked and making sure that you have that relationship to begin with. So again, busy, busy time in your life. Is there a certain time of year that you're more active with the foundation than others? Obviously not during football season. Yeah, so in the winter, we'll have a bit of time, you know, where we go do some donations. And then really in the summer is where we do a lot of our work, mainly because like if we're doing football donations, it's right before their seasons and stuff like that. This summer we went to Hawaii, Chicago, Detroit, just a whole bunch of different places and uh, have been able to give back. Well, and it's just amazing. And of course, you've given in so many ways just by being with us today, Joel. Thank you so much. But one final area, if I can squeeze this in in the time we have, is if I've got a son or a grandson that is dreaming about a big time opportunity like you, and maybe they've got a certain set of skills that they could end up at levels of performance that you're at. Tell me, any advice for them? What makes the most sense to you if you were talking to young Joel in eighth grade? What would you be saying to him about what the future looks like and how to prepare for it? I would just tell him to, first of all, if you think you are a hard worker, reevaluate and work harder because you can. And then I I would also tell him, you know, I was a good listener, but I would tell anybody, you know, listen before you speak. Just listen to what the people who have more experience than you, what they have to say and what they have to teach you before you start speaking. Because, you know, there's times where I see people come in and they have zero issues speaking first and then they hit, you know, say fall camp and it catches up with them real fast. And then they're like, oh, no, like, what do I do? So the biggest thing is just to listen before you speak. Well, and I think that that's really good. And tell me about, you know, once again, revisiting this whole notion of how you can help people to your right or left. When you're on a team and you are coaching from the middle, as we talked about earlier, tell me, what did that do for you? You know, it gave me a better understanding of how, you know, people coaching, I guess. And then, you know, also it helped me develop my voice. It helped me understand that, okay, well, he is listening to me. Like I do have a voice in here. And so knowing when to use that voice and how to use it, that really like developed along the way. So I don't want to put you on the spot here, but what's next for you? So after this season, I'm going to pursue my dream and 
you know, take my shot at the NFL and really looking forward to that. Really looking forward to the season, but, you know, I've put myself in a position where I have that opportunity. So, you know, just take my shot there and see where I land. And after I hang up the cleats, pursue a job in mechanical engineering. I got an internship last summer at a Michigan Cat and you know, discovered that that's really what I want to go into with the heavy equipment and uh, that kind of sort of thing. So, you know, that's where I'll head after I hang up the cleats. Well, with your work ethic and your willingness to do what it takes to be successful morally and with integrity, and of course, I commend you on a young man full of faith, knowing that uh, you stand on that faith and that's really what got you through some of your darkest times. That really is meaningful to me as an individual looking at you and rooting you on. So, Joel, I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for being a part of this. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate having me on. Well, and I appreciate what you're doing down there, and especially with the foundation, bringing hope to young people that maybe sometimes don't always get the first shot at having hope. And of course, what that could mean in the life of young people as they think about following in your footsteps, or if nothing else, putting their nose down so that they have a chance with their education to be something greater than what they currently are and make it out of uh, wherever their tough situation is. So again, Joel, so grateful for you. I know I'm going to get in trouble because this is a Michigan Lansing-based network, but I'm going to say go blue. And you are, sure, uh, I'm sure, the same amount of trouble back home with the Buckeyes. But thank you so much, Joel. God bless you and all the best this year. And I can't wait to talk to you next time. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is the Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. Michigan.